When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On one hand, they did everything they've been doing for a month now. Stayed pretty even in the shots, played good defense for the most part, scored a power play goal, had all the requisite effort. And on the other hand, I'm going to say something here. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Hurricanes 3, Penguins 2. I'm in North Carolina, but I came down to cover football. Across the state in Raleigh, it looked like a lot of what we've gotten used to in the positive sense of late. It's not like the Penguins really did anything wrong. Yeah, you could isolate on this lapse or that lapse, or you could say, you know, Casey DeSmith didn't make a save that maybe Tristan Jari would have. There were tips and deflections and stuff like that. For the most part, though, it was pretty much just another chapter in the book, what they've been doing. And at the same time, and I'm going to say this, and I, and I don't care who gets mad about it or whatever. But there's an undeniable pattern that seems to be forming where these teams that rely almost entirely on skating and skill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say here. Because if you think about who's given the Penguins as good as they've been to this point in the season the most problems, and you won't necessarily look to the top of the standings because they've beaten a lot of those teams, a lot of them, on merit, like not in some upset way. But then, you know, the Maple Leafs are up there in the standings, but do you really think of the Maple Leafs as some sort of, no, me neither, okay? And not just because of their miserable history. How about the Canadians? You know, those are the kinds of teams that have given them trouble. Oh, and by the way, the Hurricanes. There's a common denominator there, maybe. And if I had to guess at what it is, and that's all I can do. I'm not out there skating with those guys. It's that they see someone playing a certain way that's maybe, I don't want to say freewheeling because I don't think of, well, I mean, the Canadians don't defend at all. The Leafs were missing a lot of defensemen when they faced the Penguins. So even if they wanted to defend, which they generally don't, they wouldn't be very good at it, but they didn't have anybody. And the Hurricanes, they're known for defending, but they're known for defending through possession. They're known for having the puck so much that they don't need to defend. So when the Penguins see these teams that are making these creative plays, even out of this group, Montreal has a top six that's really pretty dynamic. Everyone knows about the Maple Leafs. 
main group of forwards, and the Canes have that too. Just because Teuvo Teravainen and Andrei Svechnikov and these guys don't get the same pub because they're playing here in North Carolina, it doesn't mean that uh, they aren't at that level. They are. There's a reason the Canes win all the games that they do year after year after year. And these guys are principally it. So if you're Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and the whole list from the Pittsburgh perspective, and you look across there and think, hey, who are they? I can still do that. We can still do that. You get away from things at least a little bit. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I'm going to say this again. I thought this was not exactly some departure on the Penguins' front. This is what Mike Sullivan had to say about the game in general last night. Yeah, I think we can take a lot of positives. You know, I thought we competed hard through the whole 60 minutes. You know, this is a good team we're playing against. Um, we feel like we're a good team. It was, a, it was an evenly matched game for the most part. And they'll get right back to it. They will. They'll have a couple of games this week in Pittsburgh before the Christmas break, one of them against Carolina, and you'll see that they're going to try to boomerang back to where they were before. And the fact that they've now lost a couple to the Hurricanes might be something that's uh, is is humbling the right word for a team that's won as much as they have? Maybe it is, because this context that I'm offering to you requires a humbling of a different type. It's not just about outcomes. It's about understanding why your team has gotten all the successful outcomes that it has to date. They need to come back to earth on that. If that means playing a pretty boring game, This week against the Hurricanes in Pittsburgh, so be it. So be it. Get a result against them and understand why you got the result. If you thought when I started this segment that I was going to get into the, oh, look, there's the young and fast guys and they're beating the old and slow guys. I'm not there. I'm not there. Who was one of the most visible players for the visitors last night in Raleigh? Yeah, Kasperi Kapanen. Know why? He's faster than anybody on the Carolina roster. He actually is. And Brian Rust can hang with him in a foot race. The Penguins have more speed than what they get credit for. But that doesn't alter the reality that their best version of themselves is when they're playing Sullivan's system to a T. And that involves taking care of the back end first. Again, I'm going to reiterate this. I don't know that they didn't do that in this game. It just didn't work out. But they will want to start reversing these types of results sooner rather than later. When we come back, J1Q.
Today's J1Q comes from Laura, who asks, Hi, Dan, doesn't it stand to reason that if your power play isn't producing during a particular game, you shouldn't pull your goaltender to get an extra attacker just because the team's not able to make it work that day. Besides, you're at serious risk of putting a close game even further out of reach by giving up an empty netter. I suppose one could argue that four versus five is different than five versus five. But what do you have to say about this subject? Well, Laura, first of all, you threw me a bunch of different formulas there, and it's not that simple. However, it is simpler and more documented than it's ever been. Every sport that I cover has one quandary that stands above the rest when it comes to a new application of analytics. In football, it's punting. Should you punt? Should you punt all the time, as most analytics suggest? No coaches. Well, there are a couple of coaches that go along with this. They tend to have long magazine articles written about them and not always super flattering in terms of the results that they get. But everyone says you should never willingly give up the football, that it's insane. Your odds of succeeding are so much better if you just go for it on fourth down. In baseball, it's about the bunt. Why would you give away the most precious commodity that there is to an offense in that sport by giving away an out? It's crazy, right? Just to move a guy up 90 feet? Come on. Who thought of this? Well, whoever thought of it did so 150 years ago, and it's about time that we rethink it. Well, in hockey, most of that has come down to empty net goals or when to pull the goaltender. Because the analytics suggest that you should consider pulling the goaltender way sooner than what had been done historically. And that, of course, those of you who've been following the game for a long time, was in the final minute. In fact, you could almost set your watch to it. Look up, and those of you who go back to the Civic Arena era can remember John Barbaro saying over the PA system, one minute remaining in the period, one minute. I actually can do a pretty good John Barbaro. And then every oh, and then you see almost like right in tune, you'd see the goaltender flying off to the bench for either team. Well, now you see some coaches like John Cooper in Tampa has taken it to an extreme. He'll take his goalie off with like five minutes left. It depends on the score. If it's one goal down, if it's two goals down, multiple goals down. And he doesn't really care about the final score. If the Lightning, what was the one year? Didn't they give up a game down there uh, that I covered off the top of my head? I don't remember the exact number, but the Penguins put like three empty netters in, something to that effect. Never seen it before. But he didn't care, and neither did Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, or anybody else. These are mature adults who've done a lot of winning, and they know that it doesn't matter how much they lose by. They still lost. So to try to get at your scenario specifically, it adds even an additional layer to it, which is what happens when you already have a power play in the final two minutes. Well, if you recall the scenario last night in Raleigh, it was a conventional one for the Penguins. They were down uh, a goal, and they at one point had to really, really scramble to keep the puck out of the net. Chris Letang doing some acrobatics back there, and they weren't able to pull it off. But because of Letang's acrobatics, they were able to buy themselves another minute in which to do so. And that 
in and of itself has value. So I see what you're asking. I see why you're asking it. I wish that as I'm sitting here right now in North Carolina, I had the ability to draw on the analytics to say, oh, hey, Laura, here's exactly what the mathematicians say. But I don't know that. What I do know is that the mindset of the NHL coach, including Cooper, to this day is in those final couple of minutes, one minute, whatever it is, depending on how far you're down, there's only one objective. Score the tying goal. That's it. Everything else goes out the window. Do you wish you had an additional minute in which to try? Sure. But what outweighs what in that equation? Does the additional minute outweigh the... You see where I'm going here? Uh, it's not easy. Uh, I do know that, you know, to what you're suggesting there, that if the power play isn't going great or if the power play is going great the way the Penguins is of late, that why would you pull the goalie at all? The reason's simple. The numbers show that you're best off by getting that goalie off the rink and going for it, that you have the highest chance of scoring that tying goal, which is the only thing that matters. I appreciate the question. It's a good one. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm.